Thank you, Frank. It's good to be with you this morning. How many of you served at ShareFest? I'm decked out in my ShareFest shirt. Thank you. Woohoo. Okay. I'm actually even in my ShareFest jeans because these were my favorite pair of jeans. And I was painting a rail in black. And I, after I painted it, I backed right into it. It was just classic Hishma. Uh, but I'm here. I'm excited to be with you. If you have your Bibles, turn with, turn with, with us to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And as we look at the book of 1 Thessalonians, we're talking about being ready. Ready for the return of Christ, which could happen at any time. Up to this point, we've talked about a ready faith, a faith that's received. You trust in the work of God for you through Jesus Christ. What he did on the cross was for you. And then you share that. It's a faith that's ready is one that shares it. It doesn't just keep it. It shares it with the people in your lives. And then last week, we looked at a ready love, a love that is passionate towards God and towards others. And, and today we're going to be looking at a love that is pure. Because God calls us to a pure love uh, with others and with himself. It's a genuine love. It's not a counterfeit. The counterfeit of love is, is lust. And we really need a better vision for love in our world today. Because right now the prevalent theme is lust. It's, it's guiding most of our relationships. And if we ignore it, we don't talk about it, and we don't uh, teach scriptures like this, we forfeit three things. Number one, we forfeit insight, godly insight, life-giving insight. Uh, think about the areas that you're informed in the area of love. Most, the most powerful thing our adolescents are, are dealing with is, is the, um, the influence of, I mean, the insight of, of music. The lyrics of music have informed us towards what love is. And we'll talk about that in a little bit. Uh, movies show us that. Relationships around us show, peer groups show us that. Folks, we need the insight of God's word informing us. And there's very few places that are talking about a godly picture of your sexuality. The second thing we forfeit if we don't talk about it is influence. Influence. In other words, what we could be or who we can be to others because we have the insight from God's word. How many of you are grandparents? Come on, raise that up. You're that no problem. Proud. I'm proud of my grandparent. Yeah. Your grandchildren, you have tremendous influence. As studies are showing us now that your influence may be even greater than the parents' influence. Uh, and I, I look at that and I just think about you knowing the truth of God's word. Number one, you doing the thing that you can do best. Pray. Pray for your grandchildren. If you're a parent, a brother or sister, an aunt or uncle, to have an influence in people's lives through purity is of great value. And then integrity. Integrity is the character. Once you know it, how do you show it? How do you live it? And the truth needs to be reflected in our lives and in our relationships where we surrender the very practices uh, that bring healing and restoration to people's lives if we don't talk about this. Folks, we shouldn't be a place of surrender. We should be a place that equips others. And you know, where else can you find these truths that are battling the, the pull of the culture than in the church? And I believe that's why you woke up this morning and came to church. You woke up and came here when you could have slept in because you want to grow. You want to grow in your relationship with God. You want to love him more and love others more than you do yourself. And, and so with that, let's go to God's word and see his life-giving insight. First Thessalonians chapter four, beginning with verse three, it says this, for this is the will of God, your sanctification, 
that you abstain from sexual immorality, that each one of you know how to control his own body in holiness and honor, not in the passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God, that no one transgress and wrong his brother in this matter, because the Lord is an avenger in all these things, as we told you beforehand and solemnly warned you. For God has not called us for impurity, but in holiness. Therefore, whoever disregards this disregards not man, but God, who gives his Holy Spirit to you. What is God calling us away from? He's calling us away from, in the English there, sexual immorality. The Greek, literal Greek word is, is porneia, of which we get our word porn. And what that word means in, in, the, in the Greek, as it's used about 25 times in the New Testament, it's used as fornication, sex outside of marriage. It's used for adultery, sex in addition to marriage. It's used for a whole bunch of practices outside the one man, one woman relationship inside the covenant of marriage, which God has designed for the sexual expression. And so what I want to take a look at is why does God call us away from this? Because certainly the world is pursuing a different path. Why not lust for your life? Why would God call you into a genuine, pure love and away from lust? And it really, in showing each one of these seven reasons that I'm going to give you, it really also is going to show us why lust kills love and the opportunity. And we're going to give you an opportunity to respond at the end. But let's just now look at the truth of it. Why not lust? Why will lust kill love? Because lust in its, in its definition is selfish. Lust has a struggle thinking of someone besides itself. Look what that passage says as it says in verse 3. This is the will of God, your sanctification. And then the, the call for all of us to, to uh, handle our bodies with self-control. And, and two values that Paul uses, holiness and honor. Let's look at those. Holiness. Paul earlier says your sanctification, which literally means God setting you apart for his purposes. Your life is no longer for your purpose. As, as a follower of Christ, you're called into the purposes of God and God sanctifies or literally sets you apart for his holiness. And he asks us, hey, trust me on this. Trust what I'm doing. I'm going to want to make you more loving, not more lustful. So I want to set you aside for a higher purpose than whatever you could design for yourself. Secondly, honor. That means esteem, respect, having a higher value for others than you do for yourself. Boy, if lust ever crashes through two words, it crashes right through holiness and honor. But here the Apostle Paul is saying, that's how you guide your life. Remember, you trust your life into a, the hands of a holy God who's going to use you for a higher purpose. And he's going to actually give you a higher value than you place on yourself. And that's what we're called to. Lust by its very nature is not there to give. Lust is in our lives to get. And when we're ruled by lust, we're always thinking about what I can get. I'll talk about this later. But lust is selfish. Secondly, lust resists self-control. Look at what the Apostle Paul calls us into. That each of us should know how to handle our own bodies or how to control his own body in holiness and honor. I always talk about in the, in the picture of how God has designed sex that um, it is, it's like a fireplace. 
and, and it's in a controlled area and you can put fire into a fireplace. And when you, you have that as it's getting cooler this time of year, it brings warmth and beauty to a room. But the second you take, you, you take the fire out of the fireplace and put it on the living room floor, it'll burn down the house. And so outside of God's boundaries for marriage, uh, lust will destroy lives. And so we have to practice self-control in this area. And self-control literally means the practice of delaying short-term gratification for long-term fulfillment. Lust always thinks about the short-term. Love sacrifices the short-term. See, love requires sacrifice. How many of you have benefited from the sacrifice of parents or grandparents or people in your lives who gave up something so that they could love you better or meet a need that you had? All of us benefit from that. All of us are blessed by that. When someone sacrifices, for love to happen, you have to sacrifice. That's why when the scriptures tell us about God's love for us or or the love of Christ, that, that God loved us and literally gave himself up for us. You sacrifice every time you love. The inability to say no in a relationship will kill love. Self-control literally says no to stuff. So it can say yes to something greater. And, And when it comes to lust, we have to say no to it so that we can say yes to God's love in our lives. Love is about sacrifice. Lust gains momentary pleasure at the expense of lasting gain. And I think about that, how, how when we're unable to say no or unwilling to say no, we have to believe, we have to believe for us to move from that point of unwillingness, we have to believe that God has something far better to give me and others in the future than I could ever get for myself in the present. Lust also is patient in the short term and it prepares for the long term. That's the whole picture. Lust is always focused on what I can get now. We think about this. It's kind of the tyranny of the urgent when you're kind of compelled by lust. And our music kind of shows it. That's why, you know, I've got a feeling, you know, I just got a feeling that tonight, tonight's going to be a good night. Tonight's going to be a good, good night. And it puts all the pressure on tonight. Even in the 70s, you know, Debbie Boone, that wonderful family she grew up in, when she says, it can't be wrong when it feels so right. Hey, you, you light up my life, you know? We just say those things because we get enwrapped and we get welled up in the short term. It's got to be satisfied now. And God's word, whom the Holy Spirit is in us, God has given us and equipped us with the Holy Spirit to help us to help us in the area of self-control. It's a fruit of the Spirit. When we're connected to the Spirit, we can practice self-control. Love waits to give. Lust cannot wait to get. We've got to realize there's that tendency in all of us. There's a tendency in all of us. Let's take it away from sex. Let's just talk, talk about spending. How we spend money. You know, when you spend all your money and or even... Go into debt to do things or to experience things. And you spend 104% of your income. You can't give. You don't feel like you have the money to give. And you certainly can't save. So you hurt your future. What could happen in the future? That those resources going to work for you in the, in the future. Or even in the area of faith. You can't use and invest in the areas of your faith that are important. And so much more important than just the present. 
And so we lose. We lose when we ignore self-control in every area. It's not just this. But in this, it really kills us. We've got to love thrives because we're willing to say no to something so we can say yes to the more important things. Number three, lust exploits an identity, my identity. Look at it says, not the passions of lust, passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God. Implied in this passage is that, well, hey, you do know God. You do know God. So you're not someone who lives godless. You're not a practical atheist who just kind of lives, says one thing. No, your gods, your beloved children of God, live like God's kids. You don't get caught up in the passion of love. That's not who you are, and that's how you correct someone. The word of God, when it corrects us, it tells us with truth and it tells us with grace. When, when someone says, when someone says, don't do it, you're annoying me, or boy, you're worthless, or you're stupid, why are you doing that? It tears down your identity. God's word says, no, that's not who you are. You're God's kids. You're children of love. You're people of love. Not, you're no longer caught in that, that angle of lust. Don't live like that. That's not who you are. Boy, that's life-giving, isn't it? It's correction, but it's God saying, that's not who you are. Don't live like that anymore. When we give in to lust, we're basically saying my first and foremost primary identity is that sexual identity. And the word of God and God himself says our primary identity is not sexual. It's spiritual. That's why the most important relationship in our lives is our relationship with Jesus. He shows us who we are. And when we're called in, you're a child of God through your faith in Christ. We're called to live in this, in this identity, not in a sexual identity that has to be expressed for us to be real people. Now, we have a sexual identity, but it's not our primary. So you don't live like it. Don't be wrapped up in lust, which kind of exploits your identity. You were created for so much more. See, when we're caught in the passions of lust, we're looking to intensely pursue that so we can get. And God doesn't define you as a taker from others, as a, as a robber of others. He calls you his children in a family of love to live in his love. Number four, lust is destructive to me and the ones I love. Look what it says in verse Six, it says that no one transgress and wrong his brother in this matter. Why why, why does it say that? I mean, does it really, even in consenting adults, does it, does it really matter? Do I hurt that person? Do I offend that? Well, you may not see anything in a consenting adult, but boy, I'll tell you, if you look at lust and how it's used around, how we treat each other is affected by whether or not we love or lust after them. Now, you think about the hurt of adultery. You think about the hurt of abuse, sexual abuse. And we see people who are controlled by lust do a ton of damage. But even in the area where you think it's just a private matter, looking at porn with no one else seeing you, boy, when your wife finds or catches you and you get all ticked, the real hurt is her. She, I've talked to a woman who've had that hurt. And it's, it, goes like, it, it, it goes right down to a feeling of, Am I enough for you? Wondering that. And you, you really limit love in a relationship. Some of you have been hurt by that. I could preach this message. You know that. But you want to ruin love? Think about yourself first. That's how you ruin love. Lust always thinks about itself first. And so if you want to ruin love and, and then objectify others, that's exactly what lust does. 
But you know what? It's also harmful to us. It's harmful to me. Look in the mirror. Lust hurts you. As I look at this word lust throughout or sexual immorality across the New Testament, Paul uses it in Romans 1 three times. He says that um, God gave them up to the lusts of their hearts. In other words, we were unwilling to be corrected by God. We were unwilling to follow him. We just wanted to be people who were people of lust. What did God do? He gave them up. We lose in a relationship with God. Later on, he says that God gave them up to dishonorable passions. And then finally, in in Romans 1, it says God gave them up to a debased mind. In other words, there's no talking anymore. There's no even reasoning anymore. Lust just takes over and spins people out of control. It's destructive to us. Several weeks ago, uh, Captain Josh Berryhill of the United States Army took me over to Fort Riley and he's a helicopter pilot. He he flies Apache helicopters and we went and looked at the Apache. We looked at the Black Hawk. We looked at the Chinook and we looked at one other. I just forgot the name of it at this time. But we went out there, looked at all four helicopters that are out there. And we climbed around on them and we saw and we were amazed by them. But what was really cool is he he took me on the actual simulator where I got to wear a helmet and I got to wear infrared goggles and, and, and he allowed me and he, there was another guy, another pilot, an actual pilot who said, Hey, if you run into problems, I'll try to help you. And he had controls in his simulator. And guess what? I, I gave the thing the throttle and I took it up and I flew it all around this, this simulator and I crashed that thing. <laughs> and I was really thankful. I was really thankful it wasn't a real Apache. And I know why the government doesn't let a pastor fly one of its Apaches. But I remember there came a point to where the whole simulator started going. And I went, uh, uh, and I go, take over. And the guy goes, I'll try to get it. And he, we crashed because I had taken it over the waterfall. I had, you know, point of no return. Black Hawk down. I mean, it was, it was crazy. But I think about that. When we get wrapped up in lust, any of us can do this thing. I mean, animals do it. There are no instructions. We just do it. People do it. Men doing it. But we get to the point where it starts getting out of control. And we run to the church and go, what about me? What can you do? And we're kind of like, I don't know if I can land this thing with you. You know, it's out of control because it's so destructive. It takes you to a point where you realize it's like a monster. And when we toy with this, it's like one of the great theologians in my life, Ron McKenzie says, anyone, you decide to dance with the bear, but the bear always decides when to quit dancing. Yeah, this is more powerful than us and it will destroy us. We have to have a respect that greater people than us have fallen in this. It is no respecter of person. The the president of Harvard Divinity School was fired for for when I was in seminary, for, for pornographic images on his computer. The highest of intellects, the highest of wealth to the lowest. Folks, it's got us all. It, it will destroy us all. Number five, lust replaces God's best. We've got to realize that. This is God's best for my relationships. Look at that, verse seven. For God's not called us to impurity, but what? God's called us to himself, to holiness, to holiness. You know, whenever we get caught by lust, there's a replacement that's done. 
the replacement of the will of God for my will. It's why we get so angry when we get caught because we realize we've got to change or we're confronted with the reality of it. It's God's will. We've got to trust that God wants best for us. Number two, lust lust replaces love with sex. That's why we call it in our culture. Well, we made love. No, you didn't make love. You made lust. That's what you did. Because God's the one who makes love. And God is the one who who comes alongside us and calls us to a relationship in which we are to express love. But that relationship is long term. It's not short term. It's committed to one person, not many. And it's called for a long term future, not one night stands. And we replace that. We replace love with sex. Lust also replaces depth with distraction. The great theologian Jim Morrison said it in his song. Hello, I love you. Won't you tell me your name? Because that's how we've become. We've become so focused on physical attraction that we, we want to exploit a person before we actually get to know them, even their name. I, I love you. Will, you. will you tell me your name? No, it's, it's that desire. We're giving, willing to give ourselves to someone, our whole bodies to someone. We don't even have to know their name. And yet, God is so much more in a relationship, so much more depth in a relationship than a one-night stand. And, and lust will distract us from what God wants to do for our best. Is there any reason why, to be quite frankly, why we spend far more time getting ready on the externals in our lives than we do on the internal condition of our hearts? Why did it take us more time to get ready to go to church in the morning uh, on the outside than it did, and I'm just saying this from statistics, than it did from your time with the Lord this morning to prepare your heart to come and worship Him here? It's because we believe the lie that people want to be around a beautiful person. People want an attractive person. And I got to make myself up so that I'll be attractive to people. That's buying the lust lie. In reality, God is so much more in depth. And relationships need to be so much more about a, than, than a physical attraction. Boy, think about this. Those marriages that last are far beyond just the physical attraction. Now, don't go dress in gray and nude bunch of things because of this passage. No, I mean, we're still to present ourselves and to, 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 but, but remember, think about the time you put into your externals versus the time that God wants to develop on the internal. Choose love. Reason number six, less ultimately robs me and others of a hope and a future. What does it rob you of? Look at verse eight. It says, therefore, whoever disregards this disregards not man, but God. Who gives you his Holy Spirit to you. And I think about this. And, and, and lust basically strips someone of dignity. If you take a look at, at how uh, a woman is portrayed. And most of the materials that are out there. Most of the images. It's, it's an object. Nowadays it's mo- women and men. It's, it's around the what can you do for me. Folks we've come so far in this country with women's rights. And with giving women dignity and respect, why in the world are we so moved by graphic images of women and the, their, their bodies or men and their bodies? Why are we more attracted to that? We kind of just revert back into the caveman days instead of really stepping up and following God. 
We also, when we're, un, we're, when we're unwilling to, be, to, to move away from lust, we're, we're going to rob ourselves and others of a future. I always tell my kids, guys, you want, when God brings that person into your life that you're going to commit to, you want to give them something of yourself that you haven't given to anyone else. It's worth it. It's worth it to do that. Don't rob your future or the other person's future of a gift you could give. So we call that and call them into that. I've even found that if couples are obedient, even now, if they've messed up in the past, even a present day commitment to purity in this area will reap a greater reward if they're to be with each other forever. Finally, lust rebels against the authority of God. Whoever disregards this, it says, disregards not man, but God. He's our ultimate authority. And he's not only our authority, he's also our help because he gives the Holy Spirit to us. See, pride will keep the Holy Spirit out of your life. And submission to authority is a mark of humility. When you follow the Lord, you're humbling your life. I've never seen an area that's more prideful than sexual expression in our culture today. Don't mess with me. Don't tell me what I can't do. Man, we're we're destined for failure. And who is it that says that they're right in their own eyes? A fool. That's the book of Proverbs. A fool says that they're right in his own eyes. That's why we've got to come to a point where we allow God to even rule our lives. Especially in this area that's out of control. Self-ruled people always, always lose as do the people around them. If you're with a self-ruled person who doesn't care about God's word, doesn't want to know more about it, and is not going to do it, folks, your life will bear the consequences of that. We need this truth. These seven truths from these six verses about lust. And we're shown how we never win. We don't win with God. We don't win with each other. We don't win with ourselves when we're pursuing lust. But here's what I've learned. Only God's love can defeat the power of lust in our lives. That's why we've got to go. We're not just called out of and away from sexual immorality and just go, well, just live then. Just don't do it. And that's not what God calls us to. He says what to do. Look at what Paul says. He continues in verse 9. He says, now concerning brotherly love, you have no need for anyone to write you. For you yourselves have been taught by God to love one another. And that's exactly, indeed, what you are doing. He was congratulating them. He said, you saw, you lived in a culture. And we, you know, that culture in Thessalonica had a temple in which you could go and worship the gods, but you'd also pay for a prostitute so you could worship and have sex at the same time. That's a pairing towards the desires of humanity, isn't it? That's a pairing of lust and a replacement of love. And they did it. They worshipped and they were called away from that, from serving idols to the living God. And he said, now you're loving. Don't turn back. Don't go back that way. And so that's exactly what I would like to say and call us all into. And I want to do this boldly, but I also want want to do it unapologetically. And I know some of the things I'm going to call you into, some of you will be ticked at me. And that's exactly why I know in an area in my life where I'm not following the Lord and I need to is when I get ticked when someone mentions it. And it's, here's what I've known about being in a church a while. 
You have no problem about me teaching about something you're not struggling with. You'll come up, excellent message, fantastic, man. People need to hear that. But the second I get in your grill and address something that's in your life, that guy's evil. I mean, what kind of church? We're not nice anymore. We're mean. You know, get over it. I get ticked when things in my life are called. Could that be something that's actually good for me? Yes, yes. And if it's life-giving, and if it's long-term, and it's a God's plan for me in my future that's far better than I ever could craft for myself. And, and if we're really honest, you want to tear out your soul? Live as a follower of Christ with lust. It'll tear out your soul. I look at the defeat and the hurt and the discouragement in men and women who are just misguided with lust. And I see hurt. I see broke. Folks, it's not working. It's not working. That which our culture says, express yourself sexual, sex, sexual. And the church is wrong to ever limit that. And God is so limited and he's so prohibitive. I mean, come. No. God calls us into something far greater. We got to believe him. So with that, let me challenge you. There needs to be a moment in all of our lives in this area of lust where we turn away from environments of lust. When we turn our eyes away... Job, in Job 31, literally made a covenant with his eyes. We need to do that. We need to be people because the things that we see, the things that we watch, uh, can, can spark lust in us. The first look at a beautiful woman jogging on the road as we're riding on may be accidental. The second one is intentional. And so we need to be able to train our eyes away from what what would spark in us more lust than love. When I was working in college ministry, I remember a guy came to me and said, man, I really need some help. I am just struggling with lust and it's out of control. I said, well, man, what does your college dorm room look like? He goes, well, uh, it's really kind of cool. They're kind of new dorms. No, 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 that's not what I'm saying. What's on the walls? Well, I've got a whole bunch of Sports Illustrated swimsuit edition pictures. Okay, there you go. How can you win? How can you win when the first images you wake up to in the morning are scantily clad women? How can you win when, when the pictures or the porn you're looking at objectifies a woman and instead of giving them dignity, you treat them as an object for your desire? How can you win when you make that shift? So we need to be able and willing to turn away from those places where we're tempted to lust. What do you watch? I'm not going to be moral police here, but, but seriously, we all, when, whenever we go, how far is too far? We're in danger. Okay. Cause we want to go, okay, I'm going to flirt with God on this. I'm going to take it to the limit one more time. Okay. Sorry. That's a song, but we do that. We like to go there. We like to flirt with God's plan. We don't see his heart. We see his standards. And folks, don't think about his heart behind what he calls us to. Secondly, this is bold, but I'm going to say it. I will end any relationship that does not practice sexual in- integrity. What? Yes. Any relationship? Come on, Joe, what in the world? Yes. But he'll leave me and I'll be alone and I'll be miserable. Well, 
What if the Holy Spirit is working on his heart like he's working on your heart? What if you both agreed and said, from this point on, we're going to live with sexual integrity. We're going to abstain from sexual immorality. So God can do something greater in our lives. God can develop something deeper than just that. Well, you would grow. That's why you're here this morning, to grow. And, and if he left you, you've lost nothing. Trust me. If he cannot control himself before marriage, he will not control himself after marriage. You, it's a win-win. You have nothing. Well, you have someone to lose, but it's, you're better off. You're better off. Trust me in this. Oh, but Joe, she'll think I don't care as much for her because we won't be as physically close as she really likes. That I means one of her love languages is physical touch. I mean, that's just how I love her. <laughs> okay. Well, think about this. If she can't exist without being physically near you, (laughs) that's a deeper problem than you will ever, ever be able to fulfill in her life. Yes, just the threat of this says, no, I'm going to follow God and I'm going to love him most. And folks, we will worship. We will worship sex. We'll worship a person. We'll worship our date. We'll worship... And all those can't fulfill what only God can fulfill in us. This is a great determiner of, of our ability to follow Christ and end anything that gets in the way. Third, I'll love deeply, not shallow. It's not going to be about one night stands for me. I'm going to wa- love deeply with, with holiness and honor, the two values that call me away from lust. Holiness and honor. I'll set my life and I'll set this relationship on, on reflecting more of God and less on me. Oh, Joe, he doesn't know or she doesn't know Jesus. Well, that's a problem. You're sleeping with someone and giving them your whole body, but you're not, you're not trusting them with your soul. Boy, that, that's a problem. That's a problem. We need to be able to, to, be, to set each other up for God's best and to honor God and to honor that person. And, and, and true love is about giving yourself up. It's not about getting for yourself. We've got to be willing to stand on this. And then finally, I'll live authentically with God and others. Here's what I commit to in my own life. No secrets. No secrets. You're not going to know everything about me. But if you did, you wouldn't be surprised. There's never going to be this, you know, side commentary or, or narrative on Joe's life that, oh, he's now I'm far from perfect. Okay. But I'm just saying it is so freeing to live without secrets. And, and that's the choice each day that we make to live authentically with God and with others. That means where I fall in this area, I run back to God and I seek his forgiveness. Where I fall in this area, I put myself in relationships that will help me win. I have a band of brothers in my life that speaks the truth of God's word. Not, Joe, did you mess up this week? But no, Joe, what's guiding your heart this week? And if you're a woman, you need a sisterhood of believers around you to help you grow, to call you to Christ. Because I'll tell you, if you don't have them, you'll fall. If you have the friends that go, hey, how far did you get with her? You know, that's high school. Please. We've gotten beyond high school. Hope most of us have, even in our minds. We've gotten behind those years. 
or or the women who just talk about you know their son their their husbands or laugh about things about guys folks we need a group of people around us who help us authentically pursue christ in this area because here's the reality only love god's love defeats the power of lust if you're here and you want a better way than lust, man, come and talk to us. Frank, Frank Eshman is the one who gave the announcements here. He's our pastor of life care. He wants to build you and connect you to life-giving relationships and resources that can help you in this area. And that we all might trust God for his redemption, his restoration, his healing in our lives. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your love. Boy, it is a pure love that we're longing for. Move beyond our fear of what it could look like to move away from lust and to love the way you love us. Move us and give us a passion, a greater passion for you than we ever do for anything or anyone else. And Lord, redeem us, restore our hearts and heal us so that we can be loved by you and We'll love others with your love. For it's in the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.